0: Turn, up your, Turn
1: up your volume.
0: Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast, the Sick
1: Podcast.
0: with Tony Maradero.
1: 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. Lafleur coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into Lanier. Back to LeFleur. Oh!
0: The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast.
1: There is are in the spot.
0: Sports entertainment like no other. Rejoins. On lui fait perdre la rondelle une passe devant. Et c'est la victoire des Canadiens. ce sera la victoire des Canadiens. Tenu pour les
1: Canadiens. Le match troisième de l'histoire. You found the dogs, John. You found the dogs. He found the dogs. And all together, they worked a young team to the top. And now, a 24th Stanley Cup banner will hang from the rafters of the famous forum in Montreal. The Canadians win the Stanley Cup.
0: Brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. It's gonna be sick.
1: Marinero, the sick podcast on this uh, Monday, May 15. It is a couple of minutes past 10 o'clock and uh, game seven um, going on between uh, the Dallas stars and the Seattle Kraken uh, as I get all kinds of notifications, actually that we are uh, live uh, right now as we speak. So thank you very much for that to my smartphone. It's a uh, time for do not disturb mode. Yeah. And the uh, Dallas stars lead on a goal by Rupi hints uh, with uh, 16 minutes to go in, um, What's wrong with my microphone tonight? All right, okay, there we go. I think we got to figure it out. With uh, less than 60 minutes to go in regulation, uh, the Stars with the only goal of the hockey game, and uh, let's hope that uh, not too many other goals are scored, and this one stays under the total of six, if you know what I mean. All right, okay. I think I just cursed myself. But anyway, we'll see what happens here. Uh, Okay, we have a lot to talk about, and um, Eric Engels is going to join us. And uh, join us shortly. He is a regular collaborator on Mondays on the SICK Podcast. And, um, you know, I, I can I, I see that he's somewhere close by here, and he should be joining us in just a second. Of course, the SICK Podcast is brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group, a leading full-service logistics provider serving all of North America. They are driven to be different. also brewed in Quebec and a winner of a dozen international awards, La Bita TV offers quality microbrewery beers, Made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Beta TV, embrace your true nature. And also brought to you in part by Excel Moto, uh, who carry most motorcycle and scooter brands on the market, uh, which of course includes the Piaggio Group, which is Aprilia, Piaggio, and Vespa. And uh, they have a vast inventory of parts and accessories. And their technicians and service advisors are all highly trained. Excel Moto, your ultimate destination and best customer service experience. In my opinion, your only place to buy a Vespa in the city. So check them out at ExcelMoto.com. And take down this number. Uh, give Ali or Vito a call at 514-738-6686. And they have a promotion uh, that you'll um, they'll give you a helmet. Of a certain value if you buy your scooter before the end of june all right okay uh, it looks like we have our guy without uh, further ado let's bring him in right now he is a Sportsnet at sportsnet.ca eric angles what's going on what's happening everything good uh, everything's great a little bit of a darker look than usual and i have yeah. to say i
2: like it what are we doing here uh, is yeah. this uh i just wanted to turn those lights off behind me because uh,
1: otherwise it would create a bit of a weird flash yeah no no, I and it, it looks good like this. I I like it. it. Looks very very good. With one eye I would imagine on the game between Dallas and Seattle. Yeah, half on. I got to I got to tilt. Oh, you have to tilt. Yeah. I set uh I set the the TV up uh so that it's I, I just have to probably, you know, not, not even on a 45 degree angle, just a little bit one eye on the right. I can uh, I could take a look at that anyway. So um, I'll uh, I'll keep you posted what's going on. All right. Okay, good. Uh, what's been going on with you?
2: Not a whole lot. Like everything's been pretty good. I covered the Carolina, Carolina, uh, New Jersey series a bit for Sportsnet, yeah. and then when that got done, take a little break.
1: Yeah, charge the batteries, but uh, always got time for you. All right. Okay. So, uh, Carolina, Florida, uh-huh. Vegas, and their opponent's going to be the winner of uh, Dallas and Seattle. Uh, I know that um, I, if, if memory serves me well, you are calling for Dallas to go very far, or probably make it to the final, uh, I think, anyway. But um, who's your uh, Stanley Cup favorite right now? Is it Carolina?
2: Yeah, I got Carolina winning the Cup. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're just – they just drag you into the mud to, to play against them. And I don't know if there's any team that's willing to play the way it would take to beat them. Like, maybe Dallas might be the only one, honestly. Um, they're a gritty, physical, tough team, and they've got some youth injection there. And one thing about Dallas, like, Jamie Benn has two goals in the playoffs, and Jason Robertson has two goals in the playoffs. And, like, it might be enough to get them through Seattle as they're up a goal, right? Yeah, Um, but it's not going to be enough to get them through the next two rounds. So that's got to change if they're going to keep going. Carolina. Is just a wagon. They're, they're yeah. just so hard to play against. They're so fast. They're so in your face. And they play the game in such a demanding, physical way that there's very few teams that can hang with them. And then, you know, New Jersey finished one point ahead of them, and one point behind them in the standings this year. Like, the gap between them was Grand Canyon level large
1: in yeah. that series. Yeah. It really wasn't close. No, it wasn't. You're right about that. It was um, once they, they decided to put in fifth gear, I mean, New Jersey just couldn't catch up. Yeah, I just felt like the one
2: game that New Jersey won, they played the way you have to play to beat Carolina, which is you got to be willing to dump pucks out of your zone as soon as they get in there because that forecheck is unbeatable. When you have a 5 man forecheck coming at you, you're not going to pass your way through that. So if you flip pucks into the neutral zone and dump them out, You create races and you create odd man rushes. And New Jersey was the best odd man rush team in the NHL this year. And for the first two games, they tried to do it the way they normally do, which is great elite passing skill kind of plays. And they got their asses handed to them. And then game three came and then, you know know what, they they changed the tactics and all of a sudden got those chances that they thrive on and end up winning the game big, 8-4. And they were able to sustain it for like 10 more minutes, and then they looked exhausted, and it was over. I mean, that's what Carolina does to you. They grind you into the ground. And they did it to New Jersey and and made it look like this this was men against boys. And that team, watch out for the New Jersey Devils in the next few years because if they add a couple of tough, big, heavy-type style players that can really play... You know, I'm um, trying to think of, like, the style of player I'm talking about. If I could come up with a prototypical guy that they could use. Um, not quite like Ryan Reeves, like, not necessarily, like, a tough guy. Um, but Marcus do... Felino. Yeah, uh, a little faster than that. Like, yeah, honestly, like, uh, like Achari for Toronto. If they get three of those guys that are gritty, physical, tough, hard to play against, in-your-face type players, there wouldn't be much to stop them. You know, they've got all the ingredients to be a really great team for years. Yeah
1: and, uh, yeah, and and some of those key ingredients, of course, is is depth down the middle, which is extremely important. I, I mean, unfortunately, it didn't work out for Toronto, but if you take a look at teams that have won the Cup in the last 15 years, there's been a lot of depth down the middle, and the, the New Jersey Devils with uh, uh, two first picks overall. Nico Hischier is one of their centers, and Jack Hughes is another. And um, I believe two other centers that they have are former first round picks if memory serves me well and Michael McLeod and Curtis Lazar obviously first round picks and not first pick overall but you know they're they're pretty deep down the middle they're pretty deep down the middle I don't know if Lazar is there but yes they. they, Michael McLeod is a a really good player
2: proved it uh playing on their fourth line but yeah I mean to be honest it's tough to focus on them when we see the way Carolina's played, and Carolina without Teravinen, which it looks like they're going to get him back, but without Svechnikov and Pacioretty. And, like, five different goal scorers every night. I mean, they're they're just – and Frederick Anderson. I mean, for a guy who built up a reputation as being a really great regular season goaltender who is potentially a little fragile and, and could get injured easily or can't deliver in the playoffs, he's been awesome so far. And he came in late, you know, with Ranta holding them up in the first round. They yeah. haven't needed they haven't needed incredible goaltending. Yeah. You know, like if you look at Edmonton and the way they play the game, they needed they, they didn't just need good goaltending, they needed incredible goaltending because they can't lock down a, a game two one to save their lives. It's funny, I've been saying this all year. I was on your podcast and very outspoken about it earlier. Yeah. The I said this team will never ever win the way they're constructed. And then they went and got Matias Eckholm, and I was kind of like, Okay, like that—that—that that, that is a move that could actually change things for them. And I was thinking as I was watching these playoffs, like this might be the one year where they could get away without without winning a game like two-one. But I was saying all year that this team can't win a game two-one. And uh, I was wondering if I, like I was right, so I went and looked mm-hmm. at the, the stats and through the entire preseason and the regular season and the playoffs, they won three games this year by a score of two-one. And a lot of people will say, okay, this wow. doesn't this doesn't matter that much. It does, though, because you could get through three teams in the Stanley Cup playoffs scoring the way they were scoring, and, and like the fact that they could put up five goals a night is incredible, um, and they could win by wide gaps because of McDavid and because of Dreisel and because of a power play that was virtually unstoppable. But at even strength, they got crushed by Vegas by double, and the goals were 18-9. And you can make it through three teams, you know, but like you run into one like Carolina. You, if you can't win a game two one, you're not winning the Stanley Cup. And they didn't even get it out of round two. So I mean, it's just such a disappointing thing. Yeah, I don't blame Ken Ken Holland. Like he's had his yeah. hands completely tied since he's been there. That I don't. Like, I don't think there's one team in the NHL that was more affected by the cap flattening over the last three seasons.
1: Yeah, than that team. So here we are, May 15th, we're still talking about Cole Caulfield, who the Canadians would have loved to have signed before their last regular season game or to announce it when their season ended on Thursday, April the 13th. So just over a month later, still unsigned, and Darren Dreger says, um, I, I look at Tim Stutzler's contract, and it's probably the kind of deal that Pat Brisson would like to have for Cole Caulfield. Uh, an eight-year deal at $8.35 million a year. If you take a look at what Stutzla um, put up in uh, year one, 29 points in 53 games. And then after that, in year two, 58 points in 79 games. And uh, it should be noted that uh, Cole Caulfield um, put up 26 goals and 36 points in 46 games. Um you hear that from Darren Dreger regarding the contract and comparables. You think what exactly? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your
0: happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
2: Not a whole lot. Uh, I, I don't. First of all, I mean, I don't think that number is on the table for Cole right now. I do believe that a seven or eight year deal is on the table for him. Um, you know, I think the Canadians would like to sign him long term. I think the, yeah. the, he he and his camp would like to sign long term. Um, you know, I don't think they've gone nuclear and gone into that short-term offer that I've talked about quite a bit. That if I were in his shoes, I I would angle for unless the eight-year or seven-year deal is up in that Stutzler range. Um, so it would make sense, you know, like it would make yeah. sense. If he wants to get locked in for eight years, being the goal scorer that he is. Somebody I spoke to said something interesting to me about goal scorers and that. It, they are in one of the least guaranteed kind of secure positions in terms of their ability to replicate that success, right? Okay. Like it's unpredictable that you know a goal scorer, even if he's been one for his entire career and his life uh-huh. leading up to it, that year over year he'll do as well or have as much opportunity and, and score as well. And like okay. even Austin Matthews, who had what sixty five goals a year ago and uh-huh. more in the forty range this year, yeah. It, it's hard. It's the hardest thing to do in the game. I think, you know, if you're in that type of position and someone offers you a seven, eight year deal, um, you know, I think if both sides want to work towards that, they'll find common ground. Mm-hmm. I do believe, you know, I, I've spoken to people and obviously the people who are running this negotiation are not leaking out about it. They're not talking to anybody. No, they don't want it. The waters to get solid in any type of way, but I, I've spoken to people I've sniffed around and I'm, I've made calls to the people who are involved in the deal. You know, they're, they're pretty quiet about it, but I do believe that the Canadians have a long-term offer on the table for Cole Caulfield. And if the money were exactly what he wanted it to be, his you know name would already be on the paper or signed. And of all. course. So let's see where it
1: goes. But like, well, I, I got, off, I got st- up, to, I got off the phone a couple of days ago and I was told they're just not on the same page right now. And, uh, you know neither side is in a happy place and 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 basically i don't that, think either side that, is unhappy based that, that, on that but that's healthy. that's that's negotiations right that's i, I don't think
2: i don't think anybody's unhappy uh, i got to yeah. be honest yeah. but i will say i think we we should not be framing this as some sort of urgent matter there there is literally no urgency
1: here it's a, no it, there's there's not i mean Cole has going to play for the montreal canadians next year and this is negotiations this is what i, I it don't is.
2: even i don't even think I don't even think July 1st and offer sheet territory is even a threat. I, I don't even think that's a thing that's that's involved in here. I don't think it's a pressure point type of date for the Canadians. Um, you know, I don't – beginning of training camp, whatever. If we get to halfway through training camp and a deal isn't done – What a goal Dallas just scored. Passan
1: Dandone, you're Wow. Something will be wrong. It uh, looks like Wyatt Johnson. Wow, a backhand that uh, you just wouldn't think that he was going to be able to roof it, and he did. And Grubauer is looking at the jumbotron, saying, "How in the world did that go in? Let me take a look at that." Grubauer, who by the way has been abs- outstanding up until this point, I've seen in this game. But there's a there's a there's a, a basically wow, just roofed it over his shoulder. He, uh, uh, yeah, he caught, yeah, he caught Grubauer going down. And uh, he was able to hit it off of his, uh, his shoulder and hit off his mask. But that's, that's a smart play. Sees Grubauer commit early and says, you know what? Let me try and put it up there. There's a little opening. And he was able to get it up there off the shoulder, off the mask, and in. It was Wyatt Johnson, right? Yeah, it was Wyatt Johnston. Yeah, he's and really, uh, really skilled and is going to be a really good player. Dallas is up 2-0 uh, with seven minutes to go on regulation. And all we got to do now is hope that four more goals will not be scored in this hockey game, so that um... you hit the under. <laughs> of course, I did. Um... Yeah, seventh seventh game. I mean, I, I thought it was uh, I thought it was a gimme because the last couple of games have been high scoring. So I understand the line, but I knew that Seattle was going to say, "Hey, if we want to win this game in Dallas, a game seven, we have to keep it as a low scoring game." But it is a little scoring game, and they're on the opposite end of it, unfortunately. But at the same time, uh, let's hope that uh, we don't see four goals. All right.
2: I don't think anybody should worry about Caulfield not getting done, you know, right away. I'm sure everybody would love to hear an announcement. I'm sure the Canadians would love to make one tomorrow. I'm sure Caulfield would love to have the whole thing done in his back pocket and he can get back to or continue on with his shoulder rehabilitation, get on the golf course
1: and all that. Um so just, Eric, Eric we have two people involved right now who are pretty awesome at contract negotiation. One being agent Pat Briso and one being Montreal Canadiens general manager, former NHL player agent Kent Hughes. I mean, could you imagine? Like, you know, you, you know the 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 line is is that everyone wants to win here, but at the same time, I mean, you know, the team wants to win, the agent wants to win, the player wants to win, but uh, that's uh, two pretty sharp dudes. Uh, trying to pen the paper and all that stuff. They'll find their way. They'll they'll find their way. And look, I just think
2: I get everybody being impatient about this type of thing, like everyone outside of it. It's just, you know, these things, when it comes down to heavy negotiations, like, you know, when you you get into like the real details, they tend to get settled when there's an actual deadline to get them settled. You know, like it's, uh, there's nothing... As far as I'm concerned, as far as I've been told, there's nothing contentious about this negotiation right now.
1: I hear Nobody's you. unhappy. Yeah. No, I'm just going to take uh, the next five minutes off to actually look up "contentious" and see what it means, and uh, then we can pick up where we left. There's no off. fighting. There's no fighting. I know. I, know. Right. I, I understand. Uh, okay. Um, we. I want to get to uh, Sean Farrell at the world's hmm. goal assisted by Lane Hudson.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's good. I guess so. Well, was- yeah. Well, you know, those are two guys that uh, that have put up numbers in uh, in the past season. And uh, two guys that Montreal Canadiens fans are looking at saying, hey, you know what? I want to see these guys going forward in a Montreal Canadiens uniform. And uh, they're both in on it. So uh, did the future play itself out today at the Worlds? Maybe. Just maybe. Maybe. they are also two guys that, like, you can afford to give some time to
2: develop and, like, people should not be freaking out if for whatever reason yeah. they're not killing it in the NHL, you know, well, obviously, it's yeah. going to be next year. Farrell put up really good numbers at the Worlds a year ago uh, and yeah. Yeah. numbers at the Olympics and has played against men in, in that competition. I think the experience that Farrell gained towards the end of the season and the, the value, obviously, any pick, any player coming in from college wants to be able to burn a year and get closer to starting their NHL career and get that experience right away. And, and for the team, you could say, okay, you know, like we're incentivizing them to ensure that they're signing with us. It's great, though. It is an accelerant from a development standpoint. If you can get that experience, if you just, no matter how it goes, find out how that league works going into a summer worth of training and uh, seeing what the speed is, engaging it and feeling it. You know, you could watch it your whole life or you could watch it from up top. You'll never know until you step on the ice and, and actually experiencing it. Yeah. Especially towards the end of the year against some teams that were getting ready for the playoffs and, and that. Like he was playing in some pretty difficult situations to start in the NHL. And I think some of the reaction was like, I don't know about this kid. It's like, okay, like (laughs) give him a few games, get it under his belt. You know, I don't know where he starts next year. He'll have a task in front of him to make the team. If he ends up in Laval to start for 20 games, 30 games, or an entire season, There's really, you know, it's not like the clock is ticking on him, and he's going to be a good player. If you speak to Adam Nicholas; he thinks he's going to be a fantastic player. Um, Lane Hudson, I don't know what else, you know, like we're going to have one of those conversations five years from now where we're redrafting the, the 2022 draft, and I really wonder where people are going to put Lane Hudson on that list. You know, like he was a second rounder, And he was a lot smaller when he was drafted than he is today. And he had produced a lot less than he did over an incredible first season in the NCAA. And and all of a sudden now he's at the World Championships. You know, it was a crazy year from a talent evaluation standpoint, right? Like two years of the pandemic, these kids probably the most affected of any draft class. Mm -hmm. And um, I just feel like three to five years from now when we're redrafting the 2022 draft. Yeah. There won't be much of a question that Lane Hudson would have gone in the first round.
1: Yeah, The, the real question will be is how far up the list he actually gets. Let's uh, talk about a former Montreal Canadian, if we can, Patrick Roy, who your sure. buddy and colleague, Elliot Freeman, of Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca, and his own podcast is 32 Thoughts. And um...
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you heroes in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment.
2: That is a harsh lesson
0: in business. Sports is and not as job. simple you know, as it's bringing it's a, bunch a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify.
2: Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once.
1: Giving it a plug here on this podcast. Look at that. You know, we're, we're, we're all, uh, we're into, we want everyone to do well. You know, we just, we want everyone to do You're
2: well. You're the guy from sports, and I love those guys. Jeff and Elliot, yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. Standard
1: bears, in my opinion. Yes. And uh, saying that, you know, Patrick Waugh's name has come up in Columbus. Could you see Patrick Waugh being the coach of the Columbus Blue Jackets? Uh, I could see it happening if he doesn't end up as the coach of the New York Rangers. I, you know? I would, lo- I would love to see him on Broadway. And I've this... always said Patrick to New York, thanks but no thanks. You know, I, I, um, yeah. I, I talked to Michelle uh, Terryan about this today, and I said uh, Michelle, uh, Patrick, and he said, you know, Tony, geez, man, he certainly paid his dues. I mean, I hope for him, and he, and he really has. You know, I, I know he was a head coach in the National Hockey League for three seasons, but I mean. You know, he came back now to coach in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League for the last eight seasons and uh, accomplished pretty much everything you need to accomplish at that level, whether it's in-league or Memorial Cup. And, you know, Patrick Roy would just make so much sense with the New York Rangers, right? Some veterans who unfortunately didn't work overly hard in the playoffs who need someone who commands respect, you think definitely Patrick would. So many memories for Patrick at MSG, in that arena, and uh, MSG is used to big names and big stars, right? And Patrick Waugh would certainly be one of them.
2: Yeah, I mean, he'd be he'd be right up there with the best of them. And also, uh, I mean, there's a relationship with Chris Drury, obviously. The two were champions together. Yes. Um, Patrick is a fiery competitor. That's the top thing you would say about Patrick Waugh, whether you knew him or didn't or just uh-huh. knew of his career, he's a winner. He's also a winner. I think of those three words, fiery, competitor, winner, when I think of Patrick Watt. Those are the first words that come to mind. Yeah, Everything else that comes with that package, um, if you're smart, you learn to live with, because winning is what counts. And the Rangers have certainly positioned themselves to be a team that can win moving forward. Talked about New Jersey earlier, talked about Carolina. Um, you know, the Rangers, with a lot of help from Jeff Gordon and now under Chris Drury, have a lot of the pieces you would like to see in a team that could win. Uh, I think Igor Shosturkin will bounce back pretty hard. I think some players underperform that are very young, that have the ability to take on much more responsibility on the team moving forward and fill the voids that will likely be left by Tarasenko and Yeah. And, yeah. and um, why not put a guy in there who is a winner? I think... I don't know for sure if they're looking at Patrick Waugh. I don't know for sure if he's interested in that position, but I could see a real strong fit there. And if Columbus is in the mix and all of a sudden there's a couple teams that are interested in Patrick Waugh, the chances of him returning to the NHL uh, are are high. I would say that New York is a better fit because of Jordan. One of the reasons why Patrick, I think, ended up on the outs in Colorado. Yeah, is you know he had certain assurances from the power struggle with him and
1: Joe Sackick.
2: Yeah, but I, I you know I think that's been overblown. I've had some conversations like I think it's more that he was told that he would at least be consultant on certain decisions, and then all of a sudden uh-huh. that didn't happen, and so it's you know some sort of trust was broken there. Well, I don't think it happened.
1: It didn't happen because Joe didn't want. I mean, yeah, very, no, no. yeah. I, right.
2: I, I don't know. I don't know that Patrick himself was wanted. You know omnipotence. He wanted to be the the most powerful guy and have say on every single thing that happens. I think he just wanted to be involved in the discussion as the head coach of the team and I think Mm -hmm. at some point or another there was a disconnect and he had enough of it and left. Um, He's probably learned from that experience too. So I see a better fit with New York because Drury's there and and it is a guy he knows. Um, We'll see what happens with Columbus if they are in fact interested. I, I think whoever gets him Is getting a winner and you take whatever else
1: comes with that package yeah you would think that um drury will probably pick up the phone give joe sakic a call who was their former teammate as well and say hey joe um patrick wah has caught our attention as we're looking for a coach um talk to me about your working relationship with him and what do you think i mean and um, you would think you would think he that you would, uh, would, but at
2: the same time, if Chris Jury believed that that relationship was tainted and, and had an understanding of why it was tainted, uh, he may not look for an opinion that that might be somewhat biased against Patrick Waugh. He might, just yeah, I be, hear oh, you. If I already know, kind of, I don't I have to take this information with a grain of salt. I, I mean, at the end of the day, if you buy a car, mm-hmm. you don't want to just hear what somebody else has to say about that car, you want to go see the car and test drive the car. Um, you know, I think ultimately these decisions you can go with, I think references are important only to a certain extent, uh, in that they're kind of your fail safe. I'm going to hire this person. Let me just call one or two people as I'm getting closer to putting the pen on paper to make sure that I'm not making a huge mistake. Um, you know, I think if you're making your decisions based on what people tell you about someone before you, Meet with that person and really get a sense for what their vision is and, and where where they're going with it. Um, that's probably not the way you want to hire a head coach in the National Hockey League.
1: Yeah, I hear you. And Patrick, uh, he's
2: Patrick Hoa. He's not yeah. like he's not somebody who's uh, been coaching. Um,
1: I was about to say a Bantam hockey team, but no offense to Martin. Well, you know what, Rob Brindamore, I saw this in The Athletic. Rob Brindamore says that uh, coaching kids and coaching uh, adults, uh, coaching NHLers is not much difference. He says uh, coaching is coaching. Uh, Are there two coaches
2: more alike? Are there two coaches more alike than Marty St. Louis and Rob Brindamore in the
1: NHL? When I I saw Marty St. Louis at the beginning, I mean, the comparable for me – was this guy could turn into Rod Brindamore. And if he does, and I'm confident that he will be that kind of coach, I think he is already Brindamore, obviously, with a lot more experience here. But then the Canadians, you know, they found themselves a real good hockey coach. And I believe that Marty St. Louis will have the Canadians playing the same kind of hockey that the Carolina Hurricanes are playing under Rod Brindamore within a couple of years. I mean, I already see it. I already see it. And this with a depleted lineup. This with a decimated lineup. This with not quite the same lineup, not the same talent. And um, so it's it's pretty cool to read that article. By the way, twenty seven point seven seconds left in regulation. Dallas yeah. is up by a score of two to nothing. And uh, now twenty one point nine seconds. And there's uh, Seattle has a faceoff in the offensive zone. So this one here is all but over. And Eric, this is what you've been stressing. When you've been talking about the Edmonton orders, Seattle just at scored. one point, they just scored.
2: Seattle just scored.
1: Wow, and this is this is my worst nightmare because Jean Charles had Seattle plus one and a half. <laughs> yeah, this is my uh, this is my worst nightmare. Because, so he's he's going to be able to cover here. Wow. All right, so we'll see what happens. Uh, in these- there's,
2: still, there's still a chance of the.
1: There's still a chance here. Empty, 17, net, 17. empty net goal for Dallas. Hey, you know, tell me, no, tell me, you wouldn't want a, uh, you wouldn't want overtime here at this point. Game seven how, overtime. How much there's, time is left here? Is there two 17. minutes? Left? Seventeen
2: point six. Seventeen
1: point six seconds. Yeah, Yanni Gord glasses, man. Yeah, Yanni Gord assist. Yanni Gord assist. Seventeen point 6, uh, six seconds left. I in think will,
2: I think Dallas will wrap this thing
1: up. Yeah, yeah. Well, you would think. I mean, that's what the probabilities say, but. We'll see they're what
2: happens. They're, they're, they've got a lot of good veterans on this team, but they're a little younger than people realize, eh? Like they're really driven by some good young players.
1: Four goals this postseason for Oliver Bjorkstrom. He's uh he's had a good playoff, eh? Had a good playoff. He, he has a gun of a shot. Amazing I mean, shot, amazing release. I mean, that game where he scored uh, two goals in round one, he could have had uh, versus Colorado, he could have had five goals that game. Wow, I am
2: absolutely certain Dallas did not want a defensive zone face off with 11 seconds left or whatever it is here. nine seconds. Wow. that's good good work by Seattle. Get the puck in get a face off.
1: Yeah get the puck in. yeah. Ottinger just uh gloves it, traps it, holds it nine point two seconds. Timeout I guess, we'll, I guess
2: we'll ride this out. um who do you like? Who do you think is going to win the cup? Carolina is the
1: best team remaining.
2: That's not so. Does that mean they win?
1: Um, you like them beating Florida? I uh, yeah, I like them to beat Florida, and um, I mean, I I think I um, think I underestimated Vegas, and uh, they're pretty good team.
0: And you know what? You when that. you go
1: through when you go through their lineup, when you go through their lineup, um pretty deep at center, got some pretty good wingers. Speaking of which, you know, like I think back to that expansion, twenty seventeen, I think it was twenty seventeen, and uh some of the pickups, George McPhee at the time, he put together quite a team in Vegas, eh? Listen to this, Eric. Twenty eighteen Vegas finals loss. 2019, first round loss. 2020, third round loss. 2021, third round loss. 2022, missed the playoffs. And 2023, they're in the third round. Dallas is in the third round now. Yeah. So there's a
2: shot of Jim Nil right now. Yeah. He's one of the best GMs
1: ever. Very, very good general manager. Amazing general manager, honestly. 2-1 two, two is the final. And, Such a respectable uh, human being and an excellent, excellent, excellent general manager, honestly. Yeah, yeah. From the um, Steve Eiserman School, him too, or uh, them together. You, you know, talk from, the about, Ken, from, from the Ken Holland School. From the Ken Holland it. School. You For talk about
2: uh, Vegas and the impressive things that have happened there. Like this… Draft that Dallas had where they got on and Robertson. I mean, this, this and Thomas Harley has been fantastic for them. Like this team is, is really well built. Really built for the playoffs. The hiring of Pete DeBoer. Yeah. After bones was, this is a, a dangerous team. I like them to take down Vegas personally. I think they're going to the cup final against Carolina.
1: Nice to see uh Ali Nasredin uh, make it to uh, make it to the next round. And you know what? I'm probably gonna send him uh, a text message. We'll see if we can get him on the podcast sometime soon. That would be cool. That would be cool. We've had him on before. Audinger, the best goalie remaining. Or he, he, hasn't
2: been, he, he hasn't been so far in these playoffs. Um yeah. you know, hasn't been on the level that we saw from him last year. The fact that it hasn't mattered quite as much, and they're going on to the conference finals is something I'd be concerned about if I was Vegas. They've gotten some great goaltending. They were getting it from Brassois. They're getting it from Aiden Hill. It was really great. Um, And Jonathan Quick sitting on the bench is another option. And, And anybody who's like, ah, you know, he's done. If he has to get in there at some point, I would not bet against him stealing a game. You know he's he's yeah. a, as fiery competitor as you could find. Um, it's a pretty great conference final that's set up here. Like I, I know it's not as sexy with the teams that are in there, mm-hmm. but man, like Vegas Dallas is going to be big boy hockey, and Carolina Florida, considering what Florida has done in these playoffs and the way Carolina plays, that's going to be a war. Uh, Max has a three. one
1: in four. Max Domi has a one in four chance to win the Stanley Cup um actually max domi is going to win himself a pretty good contract yeah
2: for a max. guy who's bounced around and been all over the place and it might be you know max domi is going to get himself a good contract and there's a team with about 40 million dollars of the cap space that will probably give it to him and uh watch him play with Connor Bedard.
1: yeah um Max pacioretty has got the same chance to win a Stanley Cup with the Carolina Hurricanes. They have to play a game. Yesperi, yeah. Yesperi Kakanyemi. Kakanyemi's looking pretty good, eh? In the playoffs. He's a big game player. It's not a secret. I think
2: everybody in Montreal knew that. No matter how much people wanted to diminish what kind of player Kakanyemi is, he has shown that he's a big game player. And uh it took him a long time to get the engine going this year. Yeah. That contract that Don Waddell gave him looked like, okay, this could be a good value yeah. deal over eight years. And then it looked like uh, this could be an unmitigated disaster. Yeah. And, and um, you know, all of a sudden he put up career numbers in the end and, and, yeah, the, play, the playoffs started and playoff he showed up and he's, yeah, he's been all over it. That line.
1: That and off has uh, a chance at the cup too, by the way.
2: Oh my gosh. And he's been, yeah, you know, he's He's a solid player he's a solid player they he was miss. he's probably the only player that didn't get much better under Marty San. he was just miscast here like a, yeah Marty wanted him to kill penalties that's something he had never done he wasn't getting power play time is something he's always done um started off on the fourth line not something he's typically done it just wasn't a fit. Between the two, and and I think no, Marty no. would be the first one to say that like it wasn't a fit, and he he said himself he never had an issue with Dadnov's work ethic or the way he is you know, a pro. Um,
1: they didn't, had, work out for, they didn't work out for Guryanov either.
2: He's had some big moments in these playoffs. Guryanov, yeah, uh, yeah. We'll see what the future holds for that player. I, I don't think it's in Montreal.
1: No, wouldn't be surprised if it's in Russia. But uh, we'll see. But Datinov didn't work out uh, in Montreal, and neither did Guryanov. I mean, they have something in common. They're they're both uh, Russians, and I'm not so sure if that means anything or not. Maybe – I don't know. Yeah. The uh, Canadians did clear Shea Weber's contract off the books, though, so they're they're not not crying about any of that. That's right. you got to feel happy for Joe Pavelski who's going on to the next round. He's being interviewed right now as we speak. Eight goals in the series for that guy coming off a –
2: Unbelievable head injury, like one of one of the best one of start. the
1: best goal scores in the National Hockey League that a lot of people forget about uh, in the last seven or eight years. Like just one of the best. Did you watch Steve Shutt play? Uh, yes, I did. Of course, uh, near modern the end, day Steve Shutt near the end of his career. Um, modern day Steve Shutt, Steve He's Shutt, a was, just a shooter, man.
2: The best, yeah, but he also had the best like hand-eye coordination of a of a generation.
1: Oh, just, this guy can deflect bucks. Yeah, the the tipping pucks, he was absolutely fantastic. And Joe Pavelski's great at tipping pucks. You're right about that. That's the NHL. Yeah, he's absolutely fantastic at tipping pucks. (laughs) Unrivaled. Yeah, no, it's great. Yeah, I want to get back to talking for a second. I mean, look, it's obvious, I think, now that the play would have been um, to sign him to match the offer sheet, knowing that it was too much money at 6.1 in year one. But after that, if you can get him signed to a long-term deal at a number inferior to yeah. that, I mean, I don't think Carolina complaining about Yospery's cocking Yemi's contract the rest of the way, uh, and he's only going to get better, you know. Uh, I, I, you don't, know. I don't agree. I, I, you don't agree? I, I'm not. I'm not taking anything
2: away from Yospery. I just think at the time when the offer was made, yeah, I didn't really, I didn't really see a way for for Berge May to get the to sign that thing. I mean, it just didn't make sense to me. It, it didn't clearly didn't make sense to him or any. I mean. They would have had an impossible time justifying it, and it, the, the mistake was not getting. Yeah, them but, done. Every,
1: but everybody it knew mis- that that the it mistake of been- not getting
2: them done before that. That that's yeah. if you want to point to some mistake and say that you know this was in their control and they kind of blew it. You know, yeah, I don't know what the hard line was from the agent. It's very easy to play kind of Monday morning quarterback on that whole decision. To me, it was. I remember it at the time. It was there was no way for the Canadians to sign that deal. Like there was just no way to do it.
1: Yeah, it would have screwed well, up
2: their entire salary structure. Yeah, now that I remember, of course, there was no room and all that stuff, but... Not just room, just setting precedents for certain players and the structure that they need to be under and Suzuki not done to a deal yet and all, all that stuff. Like, it would have messed up everything. Uh, it was a great play by Carolina. It was a great play because it worked. You know, like, that was smart thinking and yeah, smart market on their behalf. And it looked like, honestly, it looked almost foolish at the time because it was so aggressive Yeah, that all it looked like was clearly revenge and Don Waddell saying it had nothing to do with revenge at all and we loved him uh, like bullshit. Uh, yeah, no, we, we know yeah. what it was exactly about the way it was structured and, and the way it was created and sold by social media and all that. But to sit here and say that the Canadians in hindsight should have signed it, uh, I mean, it, it didn't make sense the day of to sign it. And there was no way to no, but, right. but
1: but it. Everyone, Eric, everybody knew that it didn't make sense to sign the offer sheet because that deal obviously um, it made no sense to anybody. But when I say that, I mean, and this is the difficult part, right? Because we don't have a crystal ball. You had a crystal ball and known that if getting that you were going to be able to sign Kokinemi after that offer sheet to a contract, which was a long term at around four point eight million. That's pretty respectable because in the end, the Canadians have, you know, Christian Dvorak at like $4.45 million or something like that. And I think Dvorak's been disappointing. I mean, good, he's a good player. I mean, there's he definitely is a good player. I don't think
2: there's any question he's been disappointing.
1: But to me, he's, uh, you know, he's, 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 he's bread with no gluten. I mean, he's G- just, he's very bland.
2: <laughs> have you tried gluten-free bread? It's not that bad. Uh,
1: gluten-free everything is usually not that good. You know what
2: he is? He's like an ice cream sundae, but with the Hershey syrup instead of the hot fudge. Okay, that's a good way of looking at it.
1: Have you tried gluten? Have you tried gluten-free pizza, by the way? Uh, sure. Have you tried that? Yeah. Sure. I've, I've tried it. Do it's I okay. Eat it regularly, absolutely
2: not. Um, listen, Christian Dvorak was a really good player in Arizona.
1: This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little
0: or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a
1: $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it?
2: I remember being very early on the case of the Canadians being into Christian Dvorak and wanting to sign him, and they saw a player that was a very good player in Arizona, uh, a player that was projecting to do even better with Montreal. Mm-hmm. It hasn't happened. I don't know why. I don't know if maybe just it's the market and it's not for him. Um, and I think it really hasn't helped him in terms of getting the fans on his side, the fact that he's such a – and I don't say this as an insult. He's a boring hockey player. He doesn't have flash to his game. And no, so he doesn't. If, if he's not going to put up that that type of production where he's, you know, uh, in between where, where he could moonlight as a top six center and, and end up being, you know, a really, really good third line center, which he, mm-hmm. he, hasn't been, he hasn't been for Montreal. There have been way too many nights where he's been invisible. But if he could at least play to his strengths and analytically live up to that kind of reputation you could live with the fact that he's not flashy and he's boring. Um, but the fact the fact that he's not flashy and he is boring, coupled with what's been a lack of production, a lack of consistency, and too many nights where he's been invisible, um, it just it, it hasn't been a good deal. It hasn't worked out well. And I'm not sure how he's coming back and in what shape he's coming back in. I don't mean physically. I, I just mean is he going to deliver – a real bounce back here. Mm-hmm. Um, because if he could, he would have some real value to the Canadians in terms of
1: stabilizing their center I, Mariner- line. I, yeah. I don't
2: trust it's going to happen.
1: That's all. I hear you. Marinero shout out to VPR Impex and check them out at vprimpex.com ecological cleaning solutions for a safer uh, safer environment they help you take advantage of the wonderful benefits of ecological cleaning solutions using vapor technology which they call vapore To clean faster and more efficiently and save money in the process, whether it's for uh, residential or whether it's commercial, hospital, schools, old age homes. uh, Cleaning efficiently without the need for harsh chemicals at 16641 Hymus in Kirkland. Once again, check them out at vprimpex.com. Call my buddy Mario Ruffalo at that point. All right, okay. Um, Mark Bergevin. Last but not least, here I think this is the last one. Mark Bergevin, uh, his name thrown out there. Pierre LeBrun says uh, the Penguins have had uh, interviews for uh, a general manager. Uh, they've had Zoom calls. They've gone through the first round. Mark Bergevin, uh, Eric Tulski, uh, Jason Carmanos, and Peter Chiarelli among those interviewed. Frank Saravali added Jason Botterill, uh, Ryan Martin, who's the assistant general manager of the New York Rangers, John Cheka and Matthew Dash. What do you think? I think there's going to be
2: a lot of bridesmaids. Right? What do you think it's a job? I don't know. You know, I, I can't speak to who I think gets a job. I, I could speak to what kind of person I'd be looking for to take the job. Okay, well, um, you, think,
1: you think Mark Benjamin would be a good fit in Pittsburgh? Why or why not?
2: I think if Pittsburgh is interesting, interested in doing a retool, that he could be a very good candidate. I think if Pittsburgh is interesting, interested in completely reshaping their roster uh, and rebuilding, which is probably the road that they should go down sooner than later. Um, I don't know that that's his experience
1: as a general manager. No, you know? well, because he didn't take that route, obviously. Right? He tried to but, patch the Montreal Canadiens in two thousand and twelve when they finish third last in the league to try and make them better right away, he does not have the experience of a rebuild. And if you wanna rebuild, Jeff Gordon's got that experience with the Rangers and now with the Canadians, but Mark Bergevin does not. I've always felt that Mark is an exceptionally bright
2: hockey mind. He's an exceptionally bright hockey person and he is a very shrewd talent evaluator and a guy who's bold and emotionally invested um, and all the things that you would consider to be his strengths could also be weaknesses at time for him. Nobody's perfect in that domain. Nobody who sits in that chair across the league is perfect. Um, does he have flaws? Is he an executive like Jeff Gordon or even like Kent Hughes? Uh, I don't think so. Do I think he's an exceptional kind of hockey evaluator and a guy who is great at making trades? You know, was he was he great at making uh, building teams? It would be tough to argue that he was. Uh, was he great at making individual moves and and putting together components that that could help a mm-hmm. team win? Absolutely. You know, and and then we're talking about what he was in Montreal and what he might have been in Chicago before that, and you can't discount the value of experiences and and how. Mark in the contemplation period between what he did in Montreal and going to LA and seeing how things ran there and potentially joining another team and becoming Mm -hmm. GM again. You know, we all have those times in our lives where we say, "Well, I would have done this differently. I would have done this, and I would have done that." That's the opportunity that he's had. So, yeah, I can't can't speak to what kind of candidate he would be in Pittsburgh. But hold on a second, without knowing what they're without knowing without knowing which direction they want to go in with their franchise. But yeah. I do think he could be a very good candidate and not without flaws. Uh, of okay. course, there are flaws.
1: Now, unless the Pittsburgh ownership group wants to go in a different direction, the direction they chose to go in over the last couple of years by extending Latang and uh, having still Crosby and Malcolm and Latang, is that. They want to be able to patch the team to be able to go one long run again and try and go for that Stanley Cup, which would be the fourth cup for those gentlemen that I just talked about. If that's the case, Mark Bergevin had an older Carey Price, he had an older Shea Weber, which he had acquired, and an older you know Ben Sherratt, and you know, Jeff Petrie, and Joel Edmondson. He that last year in Montreal when they went to the final. Yeah. He he went all in. He went out, he acquired Merrill. He went out, he acquired Gustafson. He went out, he acquired Eric Stahl. I mean, he he went all in. And before so that they, he got he
2: got Anderson and he got Toffoli and he got the yeah. components of a team that you looked yeah. at and said, I don't know how great this will go in the regular season, but if they make the playoffs watch out.
1: Yeah. And you know what? If that's the context, and you would think that it probably is, because you just get the feeling that the only way a rebuild makes sense for Pittsburgh is if they would trade Crosby, too. And you get the feeling that Crosby was drafted and will retire at Pittsburgh Penguin. At least, I mean, that's the feeling that I get. And if that's the case, Bergevin, in the short term, could probably, I think he has the experience to be able to patch it, to give it a good kick at the can there in Pittsburgh. Well, I won't disagree with any of that.
2: Yeah. What I would say is that the guys who run Fenway Sports... Yes.
1: Um, who have an who are the new owners of the Pittsburgh Penguins and Mary Lemieux is a minority owner now? Yeah. They would have an analytic lean.
2: And there are some names that I saw that are more analytically inclined than than Mark is, unless something has changed in the last couple mm-hmm. of years. Um, it'll be interesting to see who ends up on the short list. The, the list is quite long right now, and that's what it should be when you're opening up a search for a new general manager. The best guy for the job, I could say unequivocally, would have been Kyle Dubas if he had put his name in the, in the ring. Um, It's clear now that he doesn't want to be in the ring. Yeah, I'm not sure where Bradtree living is going to end up, but that's a really good GM
1: that's on the market that's going to end up somewhere. Kyle Dubas, uh, who earlier today said that, you know, he'll either stay in Toronto, and if he's not staying in Toronto, he'll actually detach and take a sabbatical because, you know, the last year has been very, very taxing on him and his family. And that's something that he wants to, you know, take a step back and evaluate. And so at that point he's taken, you know, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be going to Pittsburgh, but look, if Mario Lemieux was the majority owner, which he's not, I think it would have been Mark Bergevin's job to lose because everyone knows that Mark Bergevin and Mario Lemieux childhood friends. um, Mark Bergevin used to play for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Mark Bergevin and Mario Lemieux played for the Villemart Hurricanes. And uh, you know, They share also uh, a mutual friend who's best friends with each other, which is Super Agent Pat Brisson. And uh, Brisson, one of Mary Lemieux's best friends. Marc Bergevin, one of Mary Lemieux's best friends. Marc Bergevin and Pat Brisson, best of friends. So if Mary Lemieux, and you know what? It still could be good enough. Sometimes you know that familiarity, obviously you know, and uh, it helps. If Mario Lemieux's got a say, I would think that of all the names that are there, that Mark um would be in pole position. If Mario Lemieux has a say, I don't know how much of a say he has. Obviously, he does. I don't know how much. I would think he's got a say. I don't. I don't. I don't you know, you know. I don't know. I don't know, how, I don't know I, the, I, I know, how, know how deep.
2: The can, I don't disagree with you. The connections run deep. Whether or not they're influential in the process is a totally different story. Um, I think it helps get an interview. Um, I think Mark's experience alone should be enough for him to be interviewed. Um, We'll see. We'll we'll see what ends up happening. You know, he's he doesn't have a bad gig in LA, and um, closer to his kids. And there's there's twelve names in the ring right now. Like, let's see where it gets whittled down to. And if yeah. Mark is still no standing, then then obviously it could be very much a viable candidate for the job. But, uh, yeah, it's, I, I think
1: it's it's going to be a really interesting one. We'll, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Hey, uh, Mike Zeisberger just brings up something that I'd forgot about for a second, the Pete DeBoer Bowl, right? Vegas fired him. Dallas hired him, he tweets. And he's right. Pete DeBoer is going up against his former team. Yeah. yeah.
2: And uh, one of the other ones is still there, too. Unless I'm mistaken, did he not coach Florida at some point? I'm getting yeah. lost on the coaching carousel. Who's Pete that? DeBoer. Pete DeBoer. Was Pete DeBoer ever a coach in Florida? Maybe I just made that up because Pete late. DeBoer,
1: in Florida. No, uh, I don't. Uh, I don't think so. Pete DeBoer in Florida. No. No, I'm making that up. Yeah. No, Pete DeBoer. <laughs> Pete. De- uh, oh, yeah, I was he, right. He coached, he coached I was there. right. He coached in Florida. Yeah, yeah, he coached in I Florida. I was right. Yeah, yeah, he coached in Florida. Right.
2: My, it's nice to know my memory still works.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, he coached in Florida. Um, it was it's because it was 15 years ago that we forget, right? That's, well, uh, you forgot, I didn't. Yeah, no, good for you. Yeah, you definitely did. <laughs> he coached, he coached uh, what, Florida, Jersey, San Jose. Yeah. Uh, Vegas, Dallas, uh, quite the coaching career. His yes. record with the Florida Panthers, by the way, missed the playoffs, missed the playoffs, missed the playoffs. Yeah, they weren't a very good team from 2008 to 11. Then he goes to New Jersey. They lose in the Stanley Cup Finals in his first year there. Then they missed the playoffs. They missed the playoffs. Then he's fired the year after, not even at the midway point of the season. And then with San Jose, he loses in the Stanley Cup Final, loses in the first round, loses in the second round, loses in the conference final. And then he's let go before the midway point of that other season. And then he loses in the conference final with Vegas. And he loses in the conference final again. Misses the playoffs. And now he's with Dallas. Man, you'd like to see a guy like that win the Stanley Cup. So close, but yet so far. It's a tough gig. You'd like to see a guy like that win the Stanley Cup. It's a tough gig. Yeah. Ash Sheldon Keefe. You're right about that. Hey, um... I kept you for a long time, and I'm very, very appreciative because, uh, you know, you weren't even to watch uh, Game 7 without one eye on it. But thanks so much, man, and I'll talk to you soon. I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure. Take care, Tom. All right, there you have it. Eric Engels of Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. Once again, in case you missed it, uh, the Dallas Stars 2-1 winners over the Seattle Kraken. Uh, So Dallas versus Vegas and um, Carolina versus Florida. Uh, Marinero with a shout out to my boy, Charlie Cabrera, over at uh, the Optimal Stretch Clinic 4710, St. Ambroise, room 312. Go to door C and room 312. And uh, he specializes in fascial stretch therapy. There aren't too many in the country that can do it, but he saw me here struggling. Um, Top of my back and my shoulder blade was uh, aching me quite a bit. I, I even had pains in uh in my wrist and he came in and he did some work on me and uh he said there's not too many in the country that do the type of work that i i do why don't you come in and take a look for yourself and i've gone in and i've been a regular ever since so i really really thank him and uh, you check him out if you can uh, if it's good enough for george st pierre it's good enough for me and there's a video of george check him out optimal stretch and optimal stretch clinic on instagram uh paul maurice is former carolina coach yes paul maurice Uh, is former carolina coach tony how's the car did you get a new one how's the car did i get a new one uh no i didn't get a new car just yet i had one that was accidented right now i have a loaner and uh we'll see we'll see uh only reason habs are getting the fifth pick is because of injuries yeah okay Maurice is a great interview. He he certainly is. Out of all the coaches in the league, Paul Maurice, great interview. Rod Brindamore, great interview. Marty St. Louis, very, very good interview. Yeah. Adam says, Tony, 30 years and still no cup in Canada. Why? Uh, Because uh, every American team has won it since. There's a good reason. huh? I was at a big box store today. I went in, and the gentleman said to me, qui qui va gagner la coupe? I said, the team who will win the match. He looked at me, he started laughing. Who's going to win the cup? The team that's going to win the last game. Yeah. So don't you find it a little crazy that Vegas enters the National Hockey League as an expansion team in 2017, 2018, Finals, lost, first round, lost, third round, lost, third round, lost, missed the playoffs, third round. Isn't that amazing? They're an expansion team. Picking up Riley Smith in the expansion draft from Florida. He picked up uh, Jonathan So made a deal for Smith, I believe. Making a deal for Shea Theodore. Making a deal for Braden McNabb. Picking up in expansion as well, uh, William Carlson. They made some really good moves, man. And credit to Seattle, too, eh? A lot of credit to Seattle. Came into the league a couple of years ago, and uh, look at the run they gave Dallas. Losing Game 7 in Dallas by a score of 2-1. to Paul goes, well, we'll get Mitch Garber on the podcast in the next week. That would be cool, too. That's it for us, by the way. It is 11 p.m. on the nose. Marinero, reminding you that we are brought to you in part by Labit at TB, Embrace Your True Nature, XLMoto and XLMoto.com. Check out their website, and I'll give you their number. Number one dealers of the Piaggio Group in North America, which are Piaggio Scooters, Aprilia, And, of course, the very renowned Vespa, 738-6686 is the number to call. And brought to you in part by Energy Transportation Group, a leading full-service logistics provider serving all of North America. They are driven to be different. For you, the SICK Army, for you, the SICK community, tell all your friends about the SICK Podcast. Growing every day, I'm Marinero. You can watch live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Like it, share it with your friends, comment sick, S-I-C-K, S-I-C-K. And if you listen via Google, Apple, or Spotify, leave us a five-star review. It's our way of feeling the love. You know where Sammy and yellow are right now? They're back at Master Control. You know who they are? They're Cavallaro. You know who I am? <laughs> I'm Marinero. Have a good night. We'll be back tomorrow. Same time, same place, 10 p.m. Eastern, The Sick Podcast. <laughs>
0: And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow The Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group. Driven to be different. La TV. Embrace your true nature.